When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. John! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't. What is hot route? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Down! Ready! Down! Set! Hut! 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 Hit me! Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom! It's time for the Soonerscoop.com postgame show presented by Eskridge Lexus in Oklahoma City. Eskridge Lexus is the official travel partner of Soonerscoop.com podcasts. Now, here's your road crew, Carrie, Eddie, and Bob, wrapping up all the action and reaction from this week's game. Welcome back. It is the Eskridge Lexus postgame podcast, the final one of the season. Uh, glad to have you with us as uh, we are joined by Eddie Radosevich uh, and uh, Josh McQuistion. I'm sorry, I forgot his name there for a minute. Actually, I was just trying to push too many buttons at one time. Uh, welcome in, boys. Josh, glad to have you. You've just come back from Orlando, and I know you've got a busy day going on. Uh, but college football playoffs starting today, uh, Oklahoma uh, defeats uh, Oregon in uh, the Bob Stoops uh, uh, final uh, swan song. And um, I, I don't know. First off, uh, Josh, I, I know uh, you've got a you. You're just kind of checking in with us, and and you got some stuff going on. But uh, let's talk a little bit quickly about uh, Under Armour and and coming back from Orlando and and kind of uh, what your impressions were of uh, being out there. Well, first off, it's kind of a perfect year for me to kind of have to pop in because I'm so used to going to Under Armour and being like there's eight guys, nine guys, and not feeling like I really got to inv- you know, kind of invest the time I needed to in all of them. There, there were four real guys there that, I, that I'm watching. You had Robert Spears Jennings, the OU commitment. Uh, you had Javante Barnes, the running back from Las Vegas, who's going to announce on Sunday – um for usc then you, you've also got uh devon campbell yeah <laughs> the uh you've got devon campbell the big five-star offensive lineman from the dallas area seriously somebody just crashed into, in, into a rail it's, it's it's not the time of year you know it's a tough time of year for everybody um and then Jaden gibson um the, the the big receiver and obviously with, with barnes and gibson it was my first chance to see those guys uh spears jennings and uh, Campbell, I've seen several times, but Gibson, unfortunately, I, I, I guess, fortunately, I was there the first night, so I actually got to see him do something. But he's now looks like he's been ruled out probably for the rest of the week and probably the game itself uh, with a little injury he suffered late in that practice on, uh, I guess that was Wednesday night. So it has, um, it, it's all gone pretty fast. But uh, you know, to start with him, big athletic guy. I mean, not every bit of the six foot five, one ninety. He is, he's the biggest receiver I've seen OU sign in a very long time. It's a big, long, athletic guy that um, 
you know, like I said, I only got to see him in one practice, and it was kind of half speed, you know, so I'm not going to make that I saw a lot of what he brings to the table. But physically, you know, what you see, and then you add that to what you already have on tape, and, you know, there's there's a reason OU's really excited about this guy. I don't know. I'm, it, I'm it, a little... No, nothing, no, nothing serious, right, as far as Jane Gibson goes? No, no. He really thought, when I talked to him, because um, I did the interview that night after he'd gotten hurt, and I got okay. the impression that he was loosely confident he'd practice the next day. So I think it surprised oh, him a little that bit. Um, I, I think it's probably just an abundance of caution. You know, it's just that the game doesn't want to be responsible for, you know, uh, an OU player that's going to be there in a few weeks, not being able to go through workouts and that kind of stuff. So I think they're just being overly careful and, you know, making sure he's okay. But no, nothing I, that I got from him or anybody else down there made it sound like it was a serious issue. I'm sorry, but I'm skeptical of any receiver that's 6'5 or taller at OU. They just don't ever work out. I, you know, you've been hurt so many times. I they, have been, yes. They don't. <laughs> I mean, well, even if they I are mean, good, uh, then they sit out a year and then they go pro like Doriel Green-Beckham. Doriel Beckham-Green. DGB. D- Doriel Green-Beckham. Yeah, you had it right. You had the, your first instinct was right. Um, you know, just, I, just make sure they aren't. Dewan Miller, at, no good. Um, I'm just trying to think. I mean, most 6'5 receivers never even made it on the field at OU. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you think about all those Jay Norvell 6'5 receivers that he signed. Yeah. It, if you could have just convinced well, Quentin Chaney that every game was a bowl game. I'm sorry, there was a lot yeah, of talking here at the guys, same time. Guys, you look at the track record. Jeff Levy doesn't recruit a lot of smaller receivers. Like, you look through UCF, you look through Ole Miss classes, he goes and gets big guys. I mean, that's that's what they... that That's what a lot of their model is. And I mean, and you, you go back to the Baylor days, guys. You think back to some of those Baylor teams... They had big old dudes outside. I mean, like that, that was always a very clear, you know, part of the puzzle for them were big, big long guys that could run outside and stretch the field. Every time Baylor receiver comes up, all I think about is people crying about Corey Coleman not being able to run a route tree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Corey was just could run. wasn't wasn't about the size, but absolutely could fly. Um, you know, I, I guess you know we, we, the other guy. Like I said, getting my first look at him was Javante Barnes, yeah, the, yeah. the running back from Vegas. Uh, had a chance to sit down and talk with him uh, yesterday morning. I guess that would have been Thursday morning, and um, really a, a great interview. Really engaging to talk to. Really um, just you know kind of laid a lot of things out. You could tell how comfortable he was. With DeMarco Murray. Um, and, you know, the thing I don't think I had thought enough. I, I knew it, but I hadn't thought enough about. So his primary recruiter at Florida State was Kenny Dillingham, the guy that's now gone to be Oregon's offensive coordinator. Uh, it, it, you know, obviously all the changeover at Oklahoma. And then you've got, you know, USC where that staff has now gone. But even the the, the coach that he really knew was there for like a weekend and, you know, to shard choice and is now at Texas. So it is, um, it's just kind of crazy how his recruiting so centrally has kind of been at the heart of all these coaching changes. And, um, you know, I, I think it, it definitely 
from what he explained, it sounded like he just kind of sat down and said, okay, I, I've got to kind of take this down to what's just the bare, you know, the bare roots. Like we're, we're going to strip this to, to the, uh, the planks and then kind of figure out what's important to me, what matters. And, uh, you know, like I said, on Sunday, we'll all find out he'll choose between those three schools. And, um, you know, we, we should have, um, some good content from, from this weekend. Like I said, got some video. He looked really good. I, I was impressed with his feet. He is a guy I got to see go through a couple of practices. So I got a better feel for him. And, uh, he was, who do you compare him to? He was as good as any back I saw out there. Who do you compare him to? Um, did I, did I oversell it? How big I thought he was when I saw him on his, on his official Josh. No, no. I mean, he's legitimately like he, he's bigger than I had in my head. And I, and I had been told, um, by a few people for a while now that he's a sturdy dude. What's that? Oh, I was just saying, just when Carrie asked you, just like if he reminded you of somebody, I just that I immediately thought like he's a massive guy. Just trying to think of guys that he could be a compare uh, comparable to. But you I mean, know what's like funny, 80, and but... I don't. No, 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 no. It's funny. The guy that he kind of reminds me of at the same point is a guy I literally just brought up. He kind of reminds me of Tashard Choice, like at the same point, like big lower body. He, he's big enough up top, but he's, you know, like he's got a lot of room to grow there. Um, but real powerful in his legs was breaking a lot of tackles, uh, especially on the Thursday morning practice. Uh, and, and really, like I said, just looked really clean. I, I was more impressed with him as a receiver than I expected it to be, uh, expected to be watching him go through seven on seven and some of the other drills they were doing. He, he's very natural as a route runner. Like he works out well. Uh, gets into space, is good at kind of sitting down and knowing where he needs to be. So there, um, like I said, I, there, there's a lot to like there. I, I was, uh, I knew I was a fan of him coming in, but I think he raised my expectations for him a little bit. I think he's, he's really one of those top five, six, you know, probably seven backs in the entire country. Should be noted that we'll have all the interviews with those guys up by, I would say, Friday afternoon. Uh, if you're, whenever you're listening to this, yeah. it'll all be on the board as far as the guys that you, you talk to uh, Dan in Orlando. Sure. Uh, yep. How, how um, Robert Spears Jennings stack up down there with everybody? The It's so tough for Robert because the guys he's going against are not only the best players in the country alongside him, but also are guys that have played their position their whole lives. I mean, you've got Jacoby Matthews, a five-star safety. You've got, you know, just you, you run down the list of all these dudes who are big-time guys. And the first thing that sticks out to me, watching Robert Spears Jennings stand next to all these guys, sometimes you're like, okay, you know, you take the three-star flyer and you kind of see, and, you know, once they get into these scenarios, you're like, oh, they don't quite physically match up. Robert looks like any of those guys. He, he is absolutely um, the physical, you know, the, the, the prototype of what you're looking for. Long-armed guy, real physical, wants to come up and hit you. He, you know, he... He's still learning, though, and, th- and that's where the difference is. That's what you can see with him and some of the other guys that, like I said, have played defensive back, and that's been their primary focus most of their life. That's not the case for Robert. He's still learning. He's still figuring out. And the best thing about Rob is he knows it. Like, he'll, you know, I-, I talked to him as well, and we-, we had a nice long conversation, and he was just talking about, you know, th- there's all these little nuances that he just doesn't know yet, and he's still figuring his way through those and kind of learning 
learning the game. So, I, I like I said, I, I think he is going to be – if there was a guy in this class that I had to bet really surprises people, maybe, you know, goes – and I say, okay, this guy's got – this guy's going to be a three-year starter. Outside of, you know, some of the really high-end guys in the class, the Jaden Gibson, you know, some of the guys that I think everyone expects – Robert Spears Jennings might be the guy I would bet on. I, I I don't have a lot of doubt that he's going to be a very good player in time. That was a very confusing update to me because it started out like you seemed to to say that he's having a tough time, but then you said he fit right in. Well, he struggled a little early. I thought you could tell uh, the second practice, it seemed like it slowed down just a little bit for him. Um you know, just that the, shit is not easy to the, be thrown everything into. We've been, we've is, all been to those, yeah, those all American practices. That is not the easiest environment, especially if you're like, I don't want to say Robert would be like an outsider to that stuff, but a bunch of those guys just like they know each other already. Am I am I wrong in that? Well, it's probably a little different with you know oh, no. camps not being as prevalent as they once were, but those guys have all been on you know to some level of of camp where and and we know how that all goes i mean those guys all look forward to the one-on-ones and it's very competitive and it's just like if you're not ready for that stuff it's it is it could slap you right in the face yeah like he he had a few matchups on the first practice of the week which was wednesday night and you could tell like just like there, there was some oh okay the speed of this is a little different these guys are a little different than what i'm what I'm accustomed to, because again, he's played one real year defensive back, and and it's no slight to Oklahoma high school football, but there aren't a lot of all Americans running around, you know, in Oklahoma. He he's one of a handful. I mean, that's just the way that goes. But he so he hasn't faced a lot of those guys as a defensive back. I thought he needed a little time. He had a great one of the better uh, some of the better work I saw from any of the DBs. Was he undercut Donovan Green, the big time tight end that's going to A and M, uh, and should really should have had a pick? He just didn't quite get his hands to it. But the throw, you know, Green looks like he's got him on an out route, and Robert just kind of reads the inside hip, cuts underneath him, and like I said, was just a breath away from having what would have been a pick six in a game. So uh, he he's figuring it out. It's just he's not a guy that like okay, plug and play. He's ready to go. He's going to need a little time to learn. But all the tools are there. I mean, again, this is a guy that, that they did the fastest man competition. He ran four four nine on uh, you know on a grass field at night after you know two and a half hours of practice. So there are a lot of physical tools there. But he's still raw. I mean, there's still a lot of uh, learning in front of him. So the guys that you, I mean, but real, Eddie, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that Devin Campbell's another guy that we probably need to talk about. I mean, Oklahoma's still in the running there. Yeah, it was interesting because I had a chance to talk to um, a lot of people that are very familiar with his recruitment, a lot of you know folks on the Texas side of things. Um, and I don't think there's – don't get me wrong. I would say there is confidence. I wouldn't say there is certainty. It's not a – Oh, yeah, this is a done deal because, guys, you know, OU fans will get into this and I have to talk them off the ledge all the time where they kind of say, well, if he's so sure, why wouldn't he have signed in in December? I think it's a decent point. Like, everybody's had him pegged to Texas forever. OU was fresh off of a change in the head coaching. You know, like, 
that there were all these reasons that just said, well, if it's, if it's Texas, just go to Texas, man. And he didn't do it. And you, you kind of, I, I hear some things that, you know, Texas signing that huge offensive line class. Maybe he's not sure, um, you know, about just being kind of another piece of that rather than, okay, you know, I, I could go be my own guy at Oklahoma. And, and he obviously knows the track record. I mean, you, you know, there is, there's absolutely a huge feel that the NIL deal is a big part of this battle because Devon is the kind of guy that understands, you know, what Oklahoma has done with offensive linemen and what Texas has done with offensive linemen and the fact that there's just no comparison. I mean, there's just none. And I think he gets that. But at the same time, you weigh $50,000 in front of a 17, 18-year-old kid, that's, that's hard to say no to. I mean, especially – you know, when, you know, at the same time, I mean, he, you know, Texas can tell him, well, that was a different staff. That was different regimes, all this stuff. We're going to fix it. It's going to be different. Um, and plus, you know, he's buddies with Kelvin Banks and those guys. He knows them. So it'll be, it'll be really interesting, but I, I would handicap it at like, I probably came into the week thinking it was 70, 30 Texas. And I might be a little more like 60, 40, 65, 35. Oklahoma's got a chance here. The, things can happen. And where it gets interesting is if he takes another visit. He's told some people he will. He's told some people he won't. Yeah, that was part um, of your update that was interesting, it, that you you said that other mm-hmm. players are saying that he might take more visits to Texas and Oklahoma. Or was it yep, Texas that, and Oklahoma? He, I know, yeah, that he he's down to o, OU and UT. I mean, that, that's all that's going to happen with him. I have been told... Uh, or I mean, I, I know several media guys that were standing there next to him, and he told him he wasn't taking any more visits. He was done with all of it. He just wants to sit down in January and think it over and come to his decision on February 3rd. I know talking to some players, they're hearing a different story. So we'll see what ends up true, what's not, you know, because there's different motivations for both of those conversations. He could be saying, oh, I'm not going to take any visits because he doesn't want to talk about that with the media. He could be telling players he is going to take visits so that, you know, they kind of stay off his back about it. I mean, there's there's motivations to either answer. But I do think that if Oklahoma's going to have a chance, they need to get him back on campus. That that they Even if he's got to take a Texas visit too, fine. You need to get him to Norman. need to let him sit down with Jeff Lebby. You need to let him sit down with Brent Venables and really start to build that comfort, which – you know, he already has with Bill Biedenboe, and I think if this was purely an offensive line coaching decision, I think that's what, I think that's the coach he prefers. Because there's really not a lot else that explains OU being in this, um, with all that we've heard about his Texas leanings the whole time. So I, I think that it's clear there's a real connection there, but we've got to see if that's enough to close the deal. Outside of that, I mean, uh, was there any, I don't know, were, were there any players, prospects there that you think with the coaching staff? And I, I mean, I know, look, Nick Evers and Jaden Gibson, you, you, uh, th- that was a little bit of lightning that you caught in a bottle. Uh, but is there anybody that, that, that this staff that you could see getting involved with here? Uh, in, uh, and maybe it's not the Under Armour game, but any, any kind of big names floating around out there that you could see Oklahoma getting involved with before the signing day hits? Not really, just because so many signed. I mean, there's like seven guys in the game that haven't signed or made their decision already. Like, 
and one of them is Amari Abor. I, I, you know, I think we know kind of OU's not going to go back down that road. And, you know, and even if they would, he, it, it probably doesn't matter. It sounds like it's going to come down to A&M and Ohio State would be my guess. Um, so I, I, I don't really have that expectation. Now I need to look over, kind of go back over the army roster and our, I, I keep calling it army. I'll never not call it the army. The all, <laughs> excuse me, the all American bowl, uh, in San Antonio and see if maybe there's some names there that could get interesting. But Oklahoma seems to be identifying the guys they want to get after. I mean, we can get into that if we want to, but they are, they're still pretty active in 2022. They're trying to, uh, you know, kind of turn over a few rocks and see if they can steal a couple of guys here late. As active as they are in 2022, they've been active in 2023. I mean, they were sending out offers all over the country. And then more importantly, the state yesterday, I mean, a guy that we've talked about, I think a couple times here on the pod and Eric McCarty, the kid out of uh, McAllister gets an offer yesterday. Yeah, that, that was, that was an interesting one. Cause I knew as the, as the new staff came in, I had heard that, that there were a few guys already that kind of knew him, knew a little bit about him and, and did, you know, like the tape, which is, you know, you understand it. The question for McCarty, you know, under the previous staff and for other staffs has really been, where does he play? Um, he's obviously a dominant back from McAllister can play some linebacker. It's something he could play some safety. Um, he has a lot of variety in his game and it's just about what, you know, does he fit every scheme? Does he fit every, um, roster? And I, and I think there was some question about that. I, it doesn't shock me that Brent Venables would really like the guy because team guy, huge effort guy, like he, he gets it. I mean, this is a guy that has really worked hard to be where he is, trained with Sean Cooper and those guys down uh, and with the C4 uh, group down in southeast Oklahoma, does a lot of work there, obviously took McAllister to the brink of a state championship this year. And it is, um, I, I, I just, I think it's telling that Oklahoma just kind of said, we're not sure yet, but we know we want you. We, we know we want you to be part of this thing. So I, I think that's huge uh, for him. I think it's it's big in his recruitment. Obviously, his father played at Oklahoma, so there is some, there's some connection there. And then, you know, you, you throw in the other in-state offer they made, and I know we want to get into that. So it they it's pretty clear that this group, I, I think, is going to have a little more a- action in the state of Oklahoma than maybe the predecessor their predecessors did. It it seems like a clear uh, just difference in the way that Brent Venables is going to operate as a bit like Eric McCarty. There is probably is it less than a ten percent chance the prior regime would have got involved with him. Is that fair? Or is That's that... my guess. Yep. Yeah. I, I think it, that's it seems absolutely like it's, fair. It's Eddie. a clear like picture of how different they're going to be. Yeah, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, they are. There is a value in, and there's my dog barking <laughs> we have for everybody. Total chaos going um, on in Josh's house. <laughs> seriously, seriously, uh, there is. Um, there's clearly a value, I think, placed by this staff. Don't get me wrong. They still want height, weight, speed. I mean, you know, Brent Vindle's been at Clemson. He hasn't been recruiting a bunch of bums. Like, he knows what he's looking for. At the same time, I think there is more allowance within this staff, within this scheme, for 
he's a really damn good football player. We're, we're, we're going to say, okay, he's not, you know, six foot four and doesn't run a 10, 300 meters or whatever. But at the same time, you just can't deny that Eric McCarty is one of the best players in the state of Oklahoma. He just is. And then you throw in that he does have good measurables. It's not like he's, it's, I don't want to make it sound like he's chopped liver. He's a really talented dude. But Oklahoma's going to also place some value, and I know Oklahoma high school coaches will love to hear it, in, hey, these guys are from Oklahoma. It matters to them. How much of a shit show is Orlando? It's Orlando's a horrible, horrible <laughs> hellhole. I feel sorry for everyone listening that lives there. It's not, I, I, I am literally about to swear off flying into Orlando. We will fly, I will fly into Tampa Bay and make the short drive across to Orlando. It's like so I'll do awful. that any day of the week. It's Tampa just, Bay is a wonderful place. I, I, I would, I'd be there. I'd be, I could be there and be fine. I just, I, I, I feel like I have to give you a bonus just for going there. Oh, it is. It's a, and then like on top of it, my flight gets delayed. I'm like, of course it did. Uh, so I, I get, I get done with practice at like noon yesterday and there's really nothing for me to do. And you know, me being the company guy I am worried about the bottom line. I'm like, if I get this car back in time, mm-hmm. they're not going to hit me for the second day of rental. So I get the car back in time. Well, then I get to the, yeah, you know, I, I saved us a day of rental car. That that's uh, right now in this world, that is money uh, in the bank, well, especially but in Orlando. At the same time, yes, apparently, Ooh. apparently, um, the market value does not exist. That 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 is not a thing. Yes, the the Toyota Tercel will be nine hundred dollars for the day. Thank you. Um, but no, I, I get to the airport. I didn't realize there was a limitation on when you can check in for your flight. I thought, well, I'll just go and I'll set up at a, you know, at a restaurant and I'll get some work done. I'll, you know, have a drink, have some lunch, you know, just kind of hang out and kill some time until my flight in the kind of early evening. Well, I get there and they're like, oh no, you're more than four hours ahead. So I've got to go hang out in the Orlando airport because I no longer have access to my rental car. Can't go anywhere. There's no reason to do so. I have to kill like an hour and a half just walking around with all of my luggage because I can't get rid of it. So that was uh, <laughs> that was the entertaining part. And Orlando, you can rot in hell. It's a terrible, terrible place. And I'm sorry you had to go there. Um, by the way, do we all we need to have? I guess uh, before we let you go, should we just have the Caleb Williams discussion all together? Seems right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So before we any, get any in, thoughts on the game in, into the Alamo Bowl, yeah, I mean, um, mm-hmm. just the Caleb Williams. I've already. I woke up this morning to. Oh God! I mean, it started. I, I woke up this morning to a DM from someone who's been a, you know, on some things has been a good source, but you know he's not really into the team details. But first thing I wake up to this morning is a DM saying, "I heard that Caleb Williams is in the portal," which you know. I, I appreciate that, but people mm-hmm. have to understand, like, we have access to the portal. Like, it's not like... You will know if he enters the yes. portal. <laughs> if he enters the portal, yes. we'll be on top of that. There people watching a name that big. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah Caleb Williams... Ended, no, that, that, that's the thing. Just went in. Out of all the people who enter the portal, if Caleb Williams enters the portal, 
everyone will know. Well, it'll be national breaking news. Yes, uh, it'll be on the it'll be on the the lower third on ESPN. It will be it'll be everywhere. But uh, yeah, there's. I mean, look, that, this is this is where we are right now, which is uh, you had the game. Uh, Caleb Williams was allowed to speak to the media for the first time. He was asked about, you know, coming back, and he gave an answer that not a lot of people were happy with. No one was happy with, which was, it was a non-answer. He just kind of danced around it and said he's going on vacation, and it was probably it was probably significant because it was the first time that he was given that opportunity, and he didn't automatically say, "Oh yeah, I'm coming back." which I think a lot of people in their minds had made it out because he played in the bowl game. That meant that he was happy here and he was going to return next season. Uh, and now you find out it's not a slam dunk. It's not a done deal. And we've all been hearing things. We've all been talking about it. Uh, and there is a high level of concern that Caleb Williams won't be back next year. Yeah. I, I think that that's, that was a growing theme in San Antonio while we were down there, Kerry. I mean, I think it was this is the this is where I come from, and this is kind of the position that I've always held is the fact that he did nothing but make people think that there was nothing to worry about in the weeks leading up to it. Over the last three, four days, I think there has been some growing concern that maybe he would be looking around. That doesn't mean that he's made up his mind. It doesn't mean that he's decided that he's not coming back to Oklahoma. I just think that there were a lot of people in the Oklahoma camp that thought once given the opportunity, he would put some stuff to rest maybe. And that not only didn't happen, but he kind of did the exact opposite. He kind of flamed the flames, did he not? You know, that that was my thing. We know Caleb Williams has, you know, kind of a PR group and, I'm sure that he had access to them to kind of go over how, you know, this, if I have to talk to anybody, this question comes up, how do I answer it? Because obviously it's the question that's going to be asked. I, I can't believe that I'm going to go on vacation was the, was the answer they came up with. Like, and I, I'm not vilifying Caleb. Like I, I, it's, it's not that it's just, man, that's, that just comes off really flip about a program that's kind of, in neutral until they know what you're doing. Everybody's yeah. waiting on you. And what what new information is he going to acquire in the next week to two weeks that changes the story? I I, I don't know what I mean. Maybe maybe there's some nil stuff in the works. Maybe that's what's happening. And I you know I get that. That's fine. Well, and that's, but that's, I, I, I told you guys, kind of like, that's the stuff that I'm hearing. And I don't, you know how it is. Like, you don't know if that's panic. You don't know if that's people just being kind of like, woe is me. Uh, like, Lincoln's going to put together this massive NIL deal for him out in LA. Um, but I'll say this I mean, we all know, you know, the story of Caleb's recruitment and, you know, the fact that he was, he was, he didn't care if he got a scholarship here, he was going to come. Uh, obviously all that stuff has changed, but look, I think he and his family are, are very smart people. They're, they're setting him up, uh, you know, for financial success, but at the same time, they're smart enough to also to know we're trying to make a football decision, not an NIL decision. 
Exactly. Wouldn't the short like well if I think the NIL stuff is like a this is just a a new reality in college football that I think is even for myself that does believe players should be paid. I think that the NIL stuff has it, it's become kind of tough to swallow in the idea that big time major players are now one year rentals in college football. That's just the way it is. I think that's, that's a, a I think that's a panic reaction. I really I mean I know the board there's there's the massive threads on the board about this. But to me, I just don't think that's going to be what happens. I don't think you're going to see a guy win a Heisman and then go to another school that can put together a bigger NIL deal for him. Because, I mean, that's the... I think it's a little bit different than... It, it's That's different, though, for a guy that wins a Heisman as opposed... Like, Bryce Young's not going to be looking around. And if Caleb were to, was to win, like, if, say, he would have won the Heisman, I don't think he'd be looking around. But it's almost like you're always climbing to get to the top and who, who can be the best fit for me. And that's where, it, like, what you're kind of saying, and I, I agree in the idea that is Oklahoma not a pretty damn good fit for him right now? Like, this team yeah. kind of showed uh, on Wednesday night they can be pretty good in 2022 if he comes back. Yeah, I just don't Guys, know. I don't know how team, to separate the panic from the reality right now. I mean... Because I yeah, think yeah. what happened, as soon as he did not commit to coming back to Oklahoma, all of a sudden, like, you hear all these things, like, you know, I heard, I don't want to get too far in the weeds and make people say, well, Kerry's reporting this. Like, you just hear all these things, like, all of a sudden you hear, like, oh, the relationship between Jeff Levy and, and, and Caleb Williams is not going well. It's like, where did that come? Like, that just came up, like, in the last 30 minutes since a press conference, like, I don't know. I don't know what is fact and fiction right now. It's it's just there's so much stuff out there flying around. It's just like waking up to a DM saying that I heard Caleb Williams is in the portal. Like it's just yeah. complete chaos right now. And it's gonna be that way. I mean, we just have to prepare ourselves. And and the, the real question is when does this when does this come to an end? When does the decision get made? And I don't think it's gonna take two months. I mean, I think it's gonna happen no, I in the next three weeks. I'd say seven to ten days, and it, it, and I say seven to ten days. It could happen before we even get this podcast up. I think that that's just kind of the world that we live in nowadays. I can't Actually, tell you my this, podcast though. skills all of a sudden. I mean, we have one pod that, 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 that was a shot. That was definitely goddamn. a shot. No, no, no. It was <laughs> it was just the immediacy of it is what I was meaning. I can't tell you this though. His people are still working and acting as if he'll be in Norman in the spring. So I think that like there the communication between he and Oklahoma and his NIL partners even today I don't think is like that 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 communication is still ongoing. It's not like he's look he has a foot out the door. I don't think that we could characterize it as that at all. Well, I and it's, think it was funny though. He, he he was at the airport with his family headed back to DC at 5 a.m. the night after the game. Well, and that was the thing that was the which other thing that we have, that we have to explain to people. Yeah, we have to explain to people like, okay, so then we found out uh, it was it was uh, Nate Fakin at Channel Four um, that had he was flying to Phoenix to get to uh, Oklahoma State's game today, I guess uh, the Fiesta Saturday. Bowl uh, uh, or Saturday, and um, I always get that confused because the, the way they schedule the CFP and then the Fiesta Bowl and the other bowls, 
It's always confusing. Well, the f-ing, it's the Rose Bowl. It's the stupid ass Rose Bowl. Yeah, it is the Rose Bowl, isn't it? Um, so, but we hear like he's in an airport from Nate at at five a.m. and so we just assume he's flying to L.A. It's like we're we're just as guilty as anybody because we hear one little piece of information. We're like, oh shit, here we go. Yeah, they were they were flying home to Washington D.C. and that's not not normal. Uh, it's not. It's it's normal for players to be flying home with their families and stuff the day after the bowl game. You'll see everybody kind of spread out over the country. Everybody that like I think that there's this idea that everybody flies home on the Oklahoma team plane. That's not how that goes. Well, and it it all brings up a bigger issue, which is nil. Um, and trust me, I, even during this podcast, I've gotten a text from a big donor uh, saying, "Hey, we need to talk next week." Like. Because we've kind of been on the forefront of NIL stuff, like we're getting all these people that are coming to us and saying, hey, what what do we need to do? What can we do? What's what's possible? Like, I think the, the big money people at OU realize, okay, we've seen what's going on at Texas. We've seen what's going on at A&M. Like, and, and it's a problem because I think, you know, the money people at OU know we're not Texas. Like, you know, I talked to one guy and he was like, you know, I pay X amount of dollars for my suite, uh, you know, less than six figures for a suite at OU. And at Texas, it would cost a million and they have no problem selling those out. Like, it's just a different level of commitment, and not commitment, but it's a different level of finances at places like Texas. So I think a lot of the people at OU are trying to figure out how do we compete in this world? What do we have to do? Uh, and it's a discussion that's ongoing, and it's because of things like Caleb was. It's because of the panic, like, oh, he's going to leave us because we can't put together a deal like USC can or like Alabama can or like Texas can. So, I mean, it it's a it's a different era, uh, but I don't think the panic is necessarily is commensurate with uh, commensurate with um, commensurate. I don't know. Uh, I'm not even gonna a, try. That's an Eddie thing right there. I'm having an Eddie moment. Uh, you know, is it, it? It doesn't all match up. Like, there's too much panic for how much of an impact this really has. Does, does OU have some issues that they need to solve? Yes. And and does the donor base have some issues that they have to solve? Yes. And I think probably more so than anywhere else, you have to work together more so than you know, you do at Texas or at, you know, other bigger schools that have just ridiculous amounts of donors. And you can't ignore the fact that a lot of OU's money is tied to oil, and that's been pretty, you know, pretty shaky ground lately. I think it's on the comeback, though. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, I was talking to a buddy about this the other day. It's like, there are pros and cons of it, because a school like a Texas, and this might be a terrible comparison, but it's just like, the East Side schools of Tulsa in uh, in high school football, they just have a bigger pool to select from when you're talking about big money boosters that want to be involved. It's not like, I mean, OU has plenty of guys that have a ton of money, but, you know, for every one of those, Texas probably has 10 of them. Yeah. And, the, the like, that's the pro. The con of that is is kind of like what we've seen with Texas and, you know, USC for a certain to a certain extent. The more people that have money the more they want to be involved and the bigger problem that is for the athletic department. So it's like, you kind of got to weigh both options. Uh, 
you know, and somehow you got to find like a happy medium, median. I I don't know. It's, it's intriguing. Well, and like, does, does it benefit tech that basically has two guys that control everything? I mean, I think that that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause those, the, 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 the two guys can do basically whatever they want and it only has to go through, you know, two guys as opposed to somewhere like Texas where I think everybody kind of agrees over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. That's a problem because everybody wants to have a hand in how that thing is going to get turned around. It's, so basically it, what we're saying is, is OU <laughs> needs like three people <laughs> with multi with billion dollars in their pockets and just start paying players and doing it under the table. No, it's, it, I mean, that's and what's I'll be ridiculous. A of that. I just need that's a, what's ridiculous. It's like dollars. all this stuff is legal. You just have to come up with a, a good plan. It's like, yeah. and everybody's like, oh, you know, we, we, you know, are you going to do this and do that? And like, how are we going to get away with it? Like, you don't have to get away with anything. Like everything is legal. You just have to come up with something that is, that the NCAA says okay that's not dirty like that's all you have to worry about you can you can throw as much money out there as you want you just have to figure out how to do it so that's the thing it's like i i do think that there are people like just to kind of round it back to uh, caleb williams i think that there are people that uh you know i think I, they're they're concerned within the program as far as what his plans are but i don't necessarily like i i guess it's which way you want to look at it you want to be the the pessimist or the optimist? Like, there's plenty of reason to think that he would come back and be really, really good. I think the fit's there. I think the, uh, you know, just look at what Brent Venable said up on the stage. Like, those comments, no doubt about it, were 100% directed right at Caleb Williams. Well, and what, uh, is that, what does that tell you that OU is actively recruiting someone that is on their roster using... A, a podium to recruit actively recruit a player that is you know was just pretty much your MVP of the game except for Kennedy Brooks was the MVP. Yeah, welcome welcome to college football in 2022. <laughs> it is ridiculous. I mean, in a, in a certain kind of just pathetic kind of old fashioned way, it, it kind of makes you feel gross a little bit. But I mean, he's. I guess if you want to use this term, he's the most important free agent out there, is he not? And you say free agent, he's still on the goddamn roster. It, it just, it's crazy to me. Josh, have you left us? I have not checked my message. I think Josh had to go to a soccer game or something. Oh, okay. Up, oh, well, yep, there it is. All right, got to go. So Josh is out. How about uh, you want to talk a little bit about the Alamo Bowl because. Yeah, can we that talk was, first about your voice? What uh, kind of partying did you do last night? I did no partying. I have no idea what's wrong with my voice this morning. Is this just I've run myself ragged voice? Yeah, I think so. I was kind of uh, under the weather a little bit, like going back into last week. Like my sinuses have just been awful. Uh, and I really kind of thought that I had turned the corner. I feel completely fine. It's just I think I'm losing my voice, so. Now you're triple vax now, right? Yeah, I got I got both both. Uh, I mean, really, you could the become booster. the first person to be triple vaxxed and have COVID twice. Oh, that would be, be like quite a bad time, probably. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Like i I have noticed lately that my my smell my my sense of smell has heightened. 
I'm wondering. Really. I'm wondering if I didn't have COVID at some point, and maybe you got stronger. Maybe so. Maybe my body is like we're going to heighten all your senses to fight what's going on in the world. I don't know. That'd be kind of cool, though. Okay, like, so uh, Superman or something. So Alamo Bowl. Um, I gotta say, I mean, the whole God. I mean, I did not think that Bob Stoops could be elevated any higher on the legend scale, but. My God, I mean, what we saw out of him this weekend, you know, during the game, after the game, it's amazing. Like it, it was, it was storybook. I mean, it was, it was literal. I, I would rather watch that a thousand times rather than the Zachary Levi Kurt Warner story. Uh, well, I would never watch that movie <laughs> to begin with, but it. It was amazing. And even over the last month, Carrie, I don't think that you could say that, like, he didn't match what he did for the program over the last 30 days when compared to what he did for 20 years. But you could, like, have a fun argument that it's kind of close as far as what he brought in the last 30 days as far as stability, being the the face of the program, stepping into a role that, you know, I think he probably would have said you're crazy if you would have asked him at the beginning of August if he was going to have to be doing that. And the last week, more specifically, the last you know couple days down in San Antonio uh, was just kind of a perfect en- encapsulation of, I think, everything. And I was talking to Kersey about this. It's like what we saw out of Bob down in San Antonio and even like the way that he was acting, you know, even before they got down there was always kind of the Bob that I think all of his friends, you know, Maddie McMillan and people like that, that would say like when he would get a bad rap from the media and people would call him an asshole and all this stuff because of the way that he acted when he got in front of the podium for 10, 15 minutes a week. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a view into like the Bob that I think everybody got to know over the last 20, 25 years. It, it was just really cool. And then you add in the Drake stuff. It was just, I don't know. It was absolutely awesome. Well, and and to me, uh, storyline number two is Kale Gundy and what he yeah. did as an offensive coordinator and a play oh, caller. Absolutely. I mean, to the, just I mean, it was like an orchestra. It was like a symphony. I mean, it was to watch him and the way he used Kennedy Brooks and the way you know that we've seen the run game just sputter throughout the year and to see him lean on it, especially. I think it was the 29-yard touchdown when you're like, Lincoln Riley's definitely throwing the ball in that situation. Like, he's, he doesn't, he no longer called those types of run plays. Like, he never believed in, it was like he lost faith that, you know, that they could break long runs like that. And for Cale Gundy to lean on, it was just beautiful. I mean, it was just, that's the only way I could describe it. To, to see the way that that game plan played out, the, the play calls, it was beautiful. They that was the first time uh, this year, and, and credit Bill Beatembo's group too, because yeah. I thought the offensive line played phenomenal on Wednesday night. And if that's a little bit of a peek into the future, uh, you start feeling pretty good about things, especially up front. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I know you know Kayvon Thibodeau didn't play, uh, but at the Sewell same time, got I hurt mean, early. Caleb in the game. Williams wasn't even touched the entire night. Yeah, they were just blowing people off the football in the run game, as you said. Uh, Kennedy Brooks was just unbelievable. Like it, it is crazy to me 
Is, is, is Kennedy Brooks the most underappreciated running back in the history of Oklahoma football? I mean, I would put I would put 800 something yards away from becoming an the all time leading rusher at Oklahoma. That's insane. No. I mean, I would probably put Q number one all time. Quentin Griffith Griffin. I can't even remember if it's Griffith or Griffin anymore. That's how underrated he is. Um, But Brooks is right there. I mean, like. There's not even a comparison. I mean, like, you have the greats. I mean, you have Adrian Peterson. You have DeMarco Murray. You have, uh, you know, Samaj P. Ryan. I mean, you know, greats. That's Samaj P. Ryan, Joe Mixon. Like, those are the guys of the modern era that you think of. And then you have Q. But, like, there's nobody else like a Kennedy Brooks outside of that group. Like, Chris Brown? No. I mean, um, I mean, Kiwan Jones not even close to that category. It's like I'm just trying to think of starters uh, over the years. Kennedy Brooks, I mean, he's just special. Like, he's a special runner. He's just such a patient runner, too. I, I, how, I wonder how his game's going to – like, he obviously entered the uh, NFL draft on uh, Thursday afternoon right after the uh, – you know, day after the game, but I think – think there's a place in the NFL for him I just I'm going to be interested to see how that game translates yeah it's it's he's he's got to go somewhere that's got a you know a good offensive line he's not that guy that is going to you know if if he gets hit in the backfield it's over for him I mean it's just he has such a good feel for the way that he runs the play it it seems like his vision is next level well I think think that 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 would come together the thing that he doesn't get credit for is how difficult he is to tackle mm-hmm. and just the way he bounces off of people. Yeah. But he never has, has looked and he's never appeared to me as a guy that comes off as just a physical freak either, which is kind of crazy that he is so tough to tackle. By the way, the other, the other big story out of that game, Jalil Farouk, man. I mean, what a game he great. had. Like, Looked where great. did that even come from? Like he just, there was nothing to indicate that Jaleel Farouk had that in him. Uh, and look, I know if we were out there watching practice, we probably would have seen some stuff. We'd probably be like, you guys better watch out for Jaleel Farouk someday. I mean, like, but I mean, it was just impressive. Like, the speed, uh, the route running, the, you know, the just the sure-handed catches. I mean, couple, I mean, a couple of those catches right over the middle of the field, too. I just... Like kind of fearless in a way. The one guy, the one guy was riding his back as he caught the ball. Sure, that and that's why, like, when you start talking about like the Caleb decision and you know what what twenty twenty two could be, it's like Jalil Farouk. I thought Mario Williams, like the 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 play where oh he gets the helmet knocked off. Oh my god! Like, th- what a hell of a grab that was! If you're able to add in a Theo Weiss, you know Brian Darvey flashed it at uh, points this year. Mario Williams made a play that was so impressive. I think they have to change a rule. It's a dumb rule. (laughs) I mean, the rule is supposed to be for like offensive linemen or defensive linemen. Like that's who that rule was designed for. No one ever thought, what if a guy's helmet gets ripped off in a one-on-one 50 yards down the field and it prevents him from scoring a touchdown? Well, that's what happened. It was the Jason Witten rule, wasn't it? Isn't that how yeah, it kind of came to be? Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, that sounds familiar. But, I mean, still, I, they should have stopped the game. They should have petitioned. 
<laughs> make it make it count. It was it was unbelievable. It, and you're right though. I thought a bunch of those guys, uh, you know, showed a little bit of growth there. And now you just got to hope that they're going to have somebody throwing them the football. I mean, obviously they're going to have somebody, but I think everybody wants it to be Caleb. I. It was just. It was the just wide so. Looks bright though. I mean, it, it, it does. Marvin Mims, Marvin Mims out of nowhere, dropping 65 yard bombs. It was just like it was just. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it other than really bad analogies, but it was just like pure. Like it. It was like the offense yeah. was just. It just flowed. It. It was amazing to see that because it seems like everything has been such a struggle on offense I since know. that Baylor game. It. 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 The only thing that you have to do, like I, I, it went through every person's head. I guarantee you, is the and like you can't not think of it. But it's like, where's this shit been all year? That motherfucker Lincoln Riley. Like <laughs> I know every person watching the game thought that. Yep. At one point or the other. Yep. Like it, it, that's the offense that I think everybody thought this thing was going to be, and it's just amazing to me that. I mean, I thought, I thought like. Okay, if you just found out about Lincoln Riley and USC before the Baylor game during the bye week and you fired his ass, and you just let Kale Gundy run the offense the rest of the year, like, would they have won every game? Would they be in the college football playoff? <laughs> it's crazy to me. I mean, and obviously, like, you know, Oregon was down a bunch of guys on the defensive side. It just, it was, it was a really good performance offensively. It was the first time in a while that you thought they could score every time they got the football. And I mean, even a guy like I, maybe it's because he's an Oklahoma city kid and I'm openly cheering for him, but Marcus major. Yeah. I don't know what it is about bowl games, but he comes in there and all of a sudden, like a guy that couldn't get onto the field is ripping off nine, 10 yards of play. Like I well, even during the regular season, I we saw flashes, and I think we can now say yes, Marcus Major is a player. Like he can was do that some one of those things good that things. It's like Riley didn't want him on the field because you think back to like the Tech game, and he's finally getting his footing, uh, you know, after uh, after being uh, reinstated, and then he has that fumble, and then he just never saw the field again. Yeah, I mean, I think I think. Even when Lincoln was here, he gave autonomy to his position coaches to play who they okay. wanted to play. So, I mean, it, you know, and it yeah. was interesting because, you know, I, I think you saw DeMarco tweet some stuff after the game, basically, uh, you know, get ready for next year, Marcus Major. You know, everybody yeah. get ready for Marcus Major next year. Oh, I think, I mean, that downhill rushing attack, like when you think of some of those Baylor running backs that really succeeded under Bryles, you would think that Marcus Major and Jeff Levy go kind of hand in hand. You would think that he would love to play. Well, I mean, we say all this, and Marcus Major has not developed any kind of confidence, you know, as a running back in college yet. Like, we haven't seen him, you know, carry the load. He's just been a, you know, a, a, had spot duty here and there. Like, how good can he be if he gets 20, 25 carries a game? Sure. That's what I want to know. And I think that he's built for it. Like I, he is physically big enough to be a guy that can kind of carry that load. And I think Eric Gray would be a perfect compliment for him. Yeah. I mean, you said before the game that you thought they were going to try to get him involved early, and they did. And he didn't really bust anything big until the second half. But 
uh, you know, once they were able to get some things going, you saw the Eric Gray that I think a lot of people thought that they were getting when he transferred over from Tennessee. Yeah, and you you have. I mean, look, it, nothing was pretty. I mean, it was a bowl game where both sides are missing a lot of people, but I mean, the defense did what they had to do, and they got yeah. enough stops. Well, they they played great, and uh, they were great in the first half. The Second only thing half, you really come out with just questioning is like, man, like what is going on with DJ Graham? Yeah, he. That's a game to forget. I mean, he was just. Was he just basically? Well, the Getting first, burnt? the first, I saw they were replaying the game last night, and I sat and watched some of it. Like, you know, that first touchdown to Hudson, like he just, I think he thought that they were that he had safety help over the top, and he didn't. It was just, it was. Was just that DJ a bust. or Woody that thought he had help? That was DJ. Okay. Because I thought it was Woody one time that. I think they he hit did. Yeah, top. it was later on. I think that Woody had an issue too. That just d- disappointing year for DJ Graham. Outside of the one-handed grab, it's like. By the way, that I, was I thought that he that was really play, gonna make the jump. That play was number two for the year on on Sports Center top ten. There, the, the, well, the I can't remember what was number one, but DJ Graham was number two for the year on Sports Center top ten it's for crazy. that grab against Nebraska. So, I mean, yeah, it is it's been interesting on the boards because everybody's focused on Caleb, but Yeah. I'll you know, tell you, and you know what, we need to we need to make note of a guy that has been uh, you know, obviously the uh the butt of a lot of jokes, but Justin Broyles, you played a hell of a game. Oh yeah. Yeah. He played a hell of a game. I think I asked during the, the game like like did Justin Broyles just become a football player finally? Like I mean, he was flying around, Carrie. He was flying around, especially in the first half. He, he, had the, he had the interception, and, and, I mean, yeah. early in the game. Patrick Fields played really well, too. Obviously, the uh, defensive MVP, and congratulations to him. He's going to retire from football and go to Stanford and make more money than I could ever imagine, I'm sure. Yeah, that's is. awesome. That is awesome. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome when you see a guy that is able to be honest about his football career, just say, you know what, my life's headed in a different direction. Yeah. That's I, I mean so. that's difficult to do. Well, I mean we, we don't have to say it, but Justin, I mean uh Patrick Fields is a very bright individual. He he is very well yeah. aware of his surroundings and he's going to again, I mean he has every opportunity in the business world that he could probably ever want. Uh especially after he gets his masters from uh, Stanford. So that's pretty cool. Stripling played really well, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had people texting me like, who is Marcus Stripling and where did he come from? It'll be interesting to see kind of what that, uh, that entire to group me, is about. To me, Stripling just seems like a guy. It's like you go back to, remember earlier in the season, uh, was it the Tulane game when he had taken off all of his pads and stuff and he was on the sideline and people were upset about it? Yes. Uh he just seems to be a guy that, you know, needs Maybe to be a little growing up, needs to grow up, needs a little motivation, needs to realize that none of this is easy and he's got to work hard to be great. Like, and hopefully he, he, you know, hopefully you come out of that bowl game. If you're Marcus Stripling, you say, okay, I can be really good at this game. If I, if I just work really hard. Yeah. It was just kind of a feel good 
story for a lot of those guys, and especially like the defensive side of the football that you know has kind of been through it probably a little bit more than the offensive side because of all the retention on the offensive side of the football with the coaches. But you know, I, I'm sure everybody saw Nate's video of uh, Calvin Thibodeau yeah. before the game, Man. Brian Odom, Jamar Kane. For those guys to come back and kind of end it the way that they did, hats off to all of them. Uh, you know, I think anybody that saw Nate's video of Thibodeau before the game crying, talking to his position group, I, I would hope that you get it now yeah. why those guys came back. Yeah. And I hope that you get, like we said last week on the pod, like these guys didn't want to leave. Like they loved it here. Yeah. They were in a really good position. Yeah, and I, I they I got think screwed that, over by one person's decision. Absolutely, and I would think that you know someday, uh, you know that door is not closed to a Brian Odom in a return someday in the future, and I think we'd all be fans of that if that were to happen. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what will happen though? And we'll see. Uh, Brent Venables, you know, Josh had written about this if you hadn't seen it on the on the uh, Crimson Corner on the Friday notes, uh, possible. Uh, Brent Venables has a connection to a defensive line coach that's in the NFL right now uh, that was at Clemson for a long time. So could be nearing in on that one. You have the, is it ULM? It would be, it would be the home run. It would be the grand slam of home run high. Yes, yes. You can go check that out on the Crimson Corner. Um, and, you know, it was also not really announced, but announced by the coach that they have a, a defensive backs coach. Is it ULM? Was he coming from or? Uh, well, he's just coming as a uh, analyst. Oh, is he just an analyst? I thought he was the defensive backs coach. No, he's just coming as an okay. analyst. They haven't announced the cornerbacks coach yet. <sighs> it seems like everything's been going a million miles an hour forever now. I've got to, I've got to catch up myself. I've got to be better. So no, it was. Uh, it was just a great bowl experience. I mean, out of all the bowls that, that OU has played in, in Bob Stoops bowls, I mean, this one is, I, it's, it's always going to be near the top. It was just so fun to watch and so fun to see it play out like it did. It was a perfect ending to what has been a tumultuous kind of 30 days. And Bob, I, I, Bob I had written there's a, any way to say that. Bob had written a really good story, uh, you know, game day story about, you know, how that oh you needed that feel good moment, and they got it in, in 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 droves. I mean, it was it could not have played out any better. You never, re- I mean, outside you even had an onside kick that was easily recovered, no drama. Bob Stoops versus Oregon, and you had an onside kick. It happened. It was kind of funny as Jeremiah <laughs> Hall raised the ball in the air. It's like okay, and it, it kind of re- in reverse happened on the Drake uh, Stoops fumble. It's like. Oregon had the ball. I don't know. I, you might have been able to see it better on TV, but uh, that was that was kind of funny. But the the whole week was fun, and just seeing Bob like that was the picture perfect way for everything to end. It really was. That was even like- all the way down to like the podium stuff with him calling up Brent. Like it, Gabe kind of made a note of it too. It's like. Brent was not close to the podium. No, no. He had to, like, run up there. And the the passing of the visor was... It, it, it truly, like, that was not like a... I'm not going to say it gave me chills by any means, but it was just like a... Holy shit, that was cool. 
It was really, it was perfect. I actually, yeah, I sent Bob a note. I just said that was perfect. Yeah, it was, it was cool. I mean, there's, there's just, there's, there's no doubt about it. I'm seeing like Schmitty back. It was, it's like, oh shit, he really is back. <laughs> like he really is back. He just can't help but be intimidating. He's one of the most intimidating people. Like, I don't know, like one of those things. I've been where, in a, I've been in a, uh, a, a, a homeland legend, checkout like, line. The actual presence of the person. I've been in a, I've been in a homeland checkout line next with Schmitty behind me. He was buying a DiGiorno cheese pizza. <laughs> I just turned around. I was like, "You can eat that." And Not for me, big dog. <laughs> what if he would have said that? <laughs> he seemed kind of like embarrassed. I don't know. Like he's on, a, he's on like a cheat. Day. And I was like, I'm like, dude, I'm just a fat ass. I mean, you can say whatever you want right now. Like you could tell me to drop and give you 20 and I'd have to do it. Like, I don't, you know, it was just like, that was a long time ago, but it still it sticks in my head. Like it was yesterday. But even then I was like intimidated. Like he's just intimidating. No, he is 100%. Oh man. It was, it was cool. And this is like kind of inside baseball that I'm sure listeners won't care about, but I was telling you like the, the Alamo bowl folks were awesome. Yeah. It's a very well run bowl game, but it does like, it's one of those bowl games. A, I think Oklahoma would agree that it's probably a game that you only want to play in probably, you know, 15 times a year. Alamo dome is an awesome place, but again, you don't want to be making a habit of playing in the Alamo Bowl. Yeah. Uh, but it does make you respect, like, covering Orange Bowls, covering Cotton Bowls, covering Fiesta Bowls, Rose Bowls. It, like, it, those New Year's Six Bowls are a different animal, and especially compared to college football playoff games. Yeah. But it was still cool. I mean, those the, the people at the Alamo Bowl do a really good job, and it was, uh, it was a fun week down in San Antonio. Uh, sights and sounds will be coming. Uh, looking forward mm-hmm. to that as well. Um, plenty of stuff uh, on the web. And, of course, look, Caleb Williams goes in the transfer portal. You will know. Um, you, don't, you don't really even have to ask us, like, is he in the portal? Because we'll, we're checking constantly as well. So, um, you know, I know that's what everything is going to be about, and that's fine. That's what we do. Uh, it's going to be a little crazy. We're used to crazy. Especially last 32 days or so. 33, is it now, I guess, since all this went down? Yeah, uh, something but like that. Signing day coming up. Josh will have uh, plenty more coming from Orlando as well. I uh, want to thank the good folks at Eskridge Lexus. Uh, by the way, shout out to Eskridge Collision. Uh, they got my car fixed. Did it in like record time. It was amazing. Uh, so it's great to have a functioning car back again. That was a nightmare as well during the Lincoln crisis. Uh, and I'm going to talk about car the the mule shoe mule mule shoe crisis. I guess we have to refer it to it as. So, uh, but thanks to Eskridge Lexus, uh, you know, go check them out. Uh, you know, that new NX is pretty damn cool. I'll tell you that. Uh, I'll I'll stick with my IS, my brand new 2021 IS 350F Sport fantastic car if you can get one i highly recommend it i'm like uh ferris bueller it's so choice uh so edward any last words for the folks on our final uh eskridge lexus post game show of the year i don't think so strange year telling bob as we were like going up on the elevator uh after the game at 
three o'clock on uh, Thursday morning. <laughs> it, what a just a kind of just weird ass year it was. I mean, from the moment that the New Orleans, like the New Orleans trip was canceled, and then the game was moved to Norman, which seems like it was literally twenty years ago. Yeah, it was just just a strange year, and then you know you get into the middle of the game of the year with uh, you know the Rattler stuff and getting booed at home, and then the Texas game, which might have been the game of the year in college football, and then the Caleb Williams performances, and you know it and was the just Baylor debacle, and the, yeah, and like I mean they almost this team almost got beat by Kansas, Kerry. <laughs> And then, That's like, and then, true. yeah, and then you yeah. get into like that that back half of the schedule, and you know, it seemed like everything after the bye week, anything that happened out outside or inside the program, it was like, is this real? Wait, no way. He goes to LSU, and then you know, obviously, everything that happened in Bedlam, and it was just the whole thing was just, I don't know. In in all the years we've been doing this feels like this was the strangest year out of all of them. Yeah, I mean... Just the most, like, it's, what's the it's really moment? It's really... I mean, I think the thing that kind of encapsulates everything is maybe the most memorable moment from the 2021 season during the regular season. I mean, the bowl game stands on its own. The most memorable thing nationally that came out of an entire football season is an answer to a question in a press conference. I will not be the next head coach at LSU. Like that thing, that's probably the most national that anything that I've been personally involved in has ever, you know, been, that I've been swept up into. Like, I mean, I had radio stations from across the country calling me just to ask me about that. It's, and well, I think just to the fact that it, it led into that coaching change and the transition and everything that has come with over the last 30 days. It's like in covering Oklahoma football, it's truly one of those moments that I don't think will ever happen again. Not to say that, you know, there won't be another coaching search, but just the way that it went down, that shit just doesn't happen at Oklahoma. Well, and I don't think we'll ever forget waking up that Sunday morning and seeing that Bruce Feldman tweet about USC and Lincoln Riley. Yeah. I mean, that moment is burned in my memory forever. Uh, it, it's, in a way, it's kind of like the Bob stuff, the morning that, uh, you know, you had been tipped off that he's retiring. And, like, those those hours that, that passed as I'm driving down to Norman and then meeting up with Josh at the indoor, it just, like... It everything kind of goes into slow motion because it's like, okay, here, why this again? And then, you know, 15 minutes later, it's like, you'd been tipped off like he's taking the job. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah, like, to me, that's always going to be different because we knew from about 9 a.m. and we're the only ones that knew. Sure. Uh, and we saw the chaos, like you guys were there at practice or at the camp. As and you saw coach after coach taking phone call, like yep, he just found out. He just found out. Like yeah, that was so bizarre. Like the Lincoln thing was just such a gut punch because no, nobody knew. Like, I mean, maybe well, maybe his wife knew, but I mean, 
yeah, you had blindsided. people that just do everybody was, was blindsided. Yeah. We I were mean, blindsided by Bob stuff, but it wasn't a blindside in the fact that you were surprised. This was a blindside, like life altering. Yeah. Like with the Bob stuff, people got to realize like you, I think three weeks before that you had said you were, someone told you he was retiring. Yeah. There had always been those rumors during the off season with Bob. This was a different, like, like not only is he, he's not retiring, he's leaving to go coach a different school. Like it's a, I don't know. It, it's hard to explain. And then, you know, the two weeks that came after that or the week and a half as they look for the new coach, it's just, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, and it, for it you all got, to come back to Brent, it's just, it, Bob it was just, wild. Bob just, Bob just, it was more like Bob just said, I'm done with this marriage. Like, I'm just, I want out. Lincoln was like, yeah, I'm banging hookers on the side uh, and we're done. He ripped the family apart. <laughs> he really did. I mean, it is a damn proud program, a damn proud fan base. And for that to happen, oh, I mean, we're still going through it. Yeah, it is. It is funny, though. It's like, and I was thinking about this yesterday as I was driving back. The expectation and the, you know, everything that goes into Oklahoma football and you talk about what a disappointing season this was. And, you know, I, I, I think rightfully so. I think that there's a lot of people that would feel like it's a disappointing season. They won 11 games. They won 11 and two. Like, that's disappointment around here. And. But I just, I just can't, I can't stop thinking about the millions of dollars that go into making this thing run like it does to the the millions of dollars you pay people like Lincoln Riley, his assistants, sure. all the stuff that goes into the season. And I think the overriding thing that is the hardest thing to swallow is that that was a damn good football team, never reached its potential. And it appears... And I think most people will never be convinced otherwise that Lincoln Riley took complete advantage of the situation and didn't give it his all and was not doing his job to the level he should have been doing it because he had one foot out the door. It's a it's a what could have been. It's a what could have been. And for then sure. I, and then I I, I want to say this too, like to see. Bob Stoops come in, and I can't get over this fact. Like, Bob Stoops, a man that was in the room as Lincoln Riley told the team he was leaving. Um, for him to stand up in that press conference the next day and say what he said, like, it, he, everything he did from the moment he was named interim head coach is everything that, that this program needed. Like every word that came out of his mouth was nearly perfect. Yeah. To to it, rally it really is like to rally the fan base, to tell them it was going to be okay, to have the passion that he had in his voice, talking about Oklahoma football being bigger than anyone else, and that it being about the players and the fans feeling that and getting that re the reassurance is the main thing that he came in there and said, look, 
Everybody calm down. We're in Oklahoma. And you need to remember that. Yeah. And Lincoln Riley could do whatever he wants. We're still fucking Oklahoma. And you got to remember that. Like everybody, like everybody needed to hear that at that moment. And then regardless of that, move on. The way that he handled the bowl prep and the game and leading up to it. And then after it was over and Brent Venables and, and handing the baton, passing the visor, literally like, and to tell everyone, continue to tell everyone we're in Oklahoma and this is going to be okay. And this is the, the reason this guy right here, it's just, it, it, it's one of the greatest moments that I've witnessed in Oklahoma football history. And we'll see where it goes from here, but it's, it, it, it truly is like, I don't think that he could have elevated himself any more than he'd already was. And I mean, and then he does this, it, it, it truly is. He's a legend. Build the second I'm in statue. love with the man. Build the second statue. I'm in statue. love with man. Okay. There I said it. <laughs> Oh, uh, I mean, it, I mean, it, it's got to be you know interesting for you, and I think you know everybody had that experience. You got to cover Bob. You got to cover his teams. Uh, he was an intimidating sob when he yeah. was the coach the first time around. Like you had to mind your p's and q's. No you, doubt, you did not want to come. I mean, you had to come correct if you were going to come for Bob Stoops. Just ask him a question, anything. Like he would embarrass you if you weren't. On your game, well, just just look at look at the the uh, Tuesday press conference with uh, Kersey's question about the the tequila. Yeah, how do you think Bob would have answered that in two thousand three? <laughs> like seriously, like it would have just been a the question would have never been asked because you knew how Bob would have answered it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for him to just like take it in stride and like he was that's just it to see him laugh and like just having fun, but at the same time. Uh, you know, when they needed to go out and practice and get shit done this week, they did, obviously, with the way that they prepared for the game. It was just a different side of him that we really hadn't seen. And I think that, you know, those close to him would say, that's the Bob that they've always, yeah, you know, come to know. Yeah. It's a, it was a perfect ending. There's, there is no doubt about that. And, you know, it's kind of exciting moving into 2022 and kind of the future of what the program is going to be, uh, you know, as, the Brent, like it's still even seeing Brent back on the sidelines Wednesday night. It's still like hard to wrap my mind around that he's the head coach at Oklahoma. It hasn't become his program yet. Now, now it becomes his program. Like it, it, Bob had to make it his for a little while in order for us to get past this. And I think that's the next step is watching this become Brent's program. And that'll happen, you know, basically when spring practice starts. I mean, signing day, yes, but when he's out there and, you know, Bob is no longer the interim head coach, like, it'll set in, like, and you, you start having a new staff, then it'll become Brent's program. Yeah. And I can't wait for that to happen. No, it's going to be fun. And I think that, you know, there's obviously still a ton of talent in that locker room there's no doubt about that it's gonna be fun to see how uh you know Brent kind of uses it 
because I, th- I do think it'll look different yeah than what we've seen here should be interesting should be fun all right uh that'll do it once again our second close out of the program but no it was good stuff um eddie appreciate it uh bob i know absolutely you're not here but certainly appreciate you josh is probably watching a fat kid run around on a soccer field somewhere um 2022 is going to be fun, man. The The office is looking great. The store that you've done a ton of work on. Uh, yeah, by the way, awesome. Center Scoop store, go check it out. We did do the Rush 3 Drop 8 t-shirts, uh, and they've been selling like hotcakes. So uh, go check it out, SoonerScoopStore.com. Uh, Isaiah's still got some gear left in there, uh, autograph uh, photo that's really cool. A lot of people have been buying up. So get that while supplies last, because once it's gone, it is gone. Uh, and then we'll have the uh, unofficial 40 hats are coming this week. Uh, I don't I, well, I ordered them, of course, with the holiday. I don't know how things are going to go, but I ordered them yesterday. Uh, a lot of different styles. We got Imperial. We got actual Richardson hats coming in. So w- however funky your head is, uh, we're going to have the right unofficial 40 hat for you. Uh, and I, I ordered white and red and black. Uh, and we got, vi- we got high crown visors coming, Eddie, for you. Uh, awesome. we got the rope hats, uh, and then we got the Richardson's, uh, got some dad hats coming in. So a little bit of something for everybody looking forward to getting those in the store. Cause I know a lot of people out there have been watching, but soonerscoopstore.com, go check it out, support, uh, you know, NIL, uh, support sooner scoop, support Isaiah Thomas, uh, really, uh, fortunate to, to have that open now. And fortunate for all you that do support us so well. So if you like the pod, go buy some merch. Uh, and the Rush 3 Drop 8 shirts, whether you want the UCLA edition uh, or the uh, Oregon edition, we, we put, put both in there. So appreciate everybody for supporting that. So thank you, everybody. I'm just going to get the hell out of here. Thanks to Ed Eskridge, uh, Will Eskridge, the good folks at Eskridge Lexus uh, for sponsoring the pod each and every year. We certainly appreciate you. Uh, and uh, go check we- them out as well. We are contractually obligated to say, go Alabama, go Georgia as SEC media, by the way. S-E-C, S-E-C. All right, that's going to do it. We'll be back uh, next year for another edition of the Eskridge Lexus postgame podcast right here on Soonerscoop.com.